hello everyone and welcome to the Avanti Woman podcast where we empower, connect and build women to move forward, feel confident and thrive in healthcare, finance, entrepreneurship and philanthropy. Our topic today is one that has and continues to move and shake our nation, healthcare. And the million dollar question, access to healthcare. How do we access healthcare and affordable healthcare? Well, what does that really mean? Let me give a brief summary. Access to healthcare refers to the ease with which an individual can obtain needed medical services. According to RAND Research, which stands for American Nonprofit Global Policy Think Tank, um, there are several factors and categories that influence access to healthcare, such as healthcare coverage, that is affordable health insurance, social and cultural factors, economic factors, and geographic factors. Well, today we will be addressing the most important one, and that's healthcare coverage, health insurance. In fact, today's topic was inspired by young women from our audience and one of our own producers, a young ambitious woman, Ani, and uh, they reached out to us and requested that we have a discussion on health insurance because they're simply lost in the system, confused, and basically they just do not know where to begin. Well, ladies, without a further ado, I'd like to introduce you to one phenomenal woman and an expert in this subject matter, Dawn McFarland. I'd like to read her bio before um, bringing, her, bringing her on. Uh, she's just, just, just a fabulous, phenomenal woman. Don McFarland, the founder and president of M&M Benefit Solutions Insurance Services. She has found a passion as an agent who helps individuals, especially Medicare eligible, navigate choosing how they receive their health care. Don currently serves as the VP of Legislation for the State of California Association of Health Underwriters on the Medicare Advisory Council for NAHU, which is the national arm of the Association of Health Underwriters, and is currently a member and past president of the LAHU Board of Directors. Don is the proud recipient of the NAHU Distinguished Service Award 2021. Wow, wow, wow. A phenomenal woman indeed. Welcome, Don. It is so good to have you on. And um, thank you so much, Don, for accepting my invitation to this podcast with such an open heart and passion to educate our fellow women out there who can truly benefit from what you have to share. Welcome. Thank you so much, Nairi, and thank you for the invitation. I think you know by now that my passion also is educating. I feel like it, the more you know and the more we can get the consumers to know the better off our system will be. So thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. That's great. It's an honor to have you, to have you Don. Um, tell us a little bit. I know we've talked about, you know, I read your bio, but tell us a little about yourself, what you love to do, how long you've been doing this. And also, how is it that you have so much passion for what you do? You're just a woman full of passion. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, so I help as, it, as, as you said in my bio, I help people in Medicare Covered California and off-exchange health insurance. I help people enroll. My passion started, I got licensed in 2012, and my passion began, uh, started from a completely different industry. 
So my, my passion began when I was working with health insurance brokers with in the group environment. Mm-hmm. And then I got involved with the association of health underwriters. And my nature is to be, I love being a part of something bigger than myself that can have a positive impact for everyone. That's beautiful. And the association does, does that kind of work I feel in healthcare. And since that was my career choice, it all kind of lined up. That's, That's awesome. Where it came from. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Don, let's talk about health insurance. So, you know, we, we got a lot of questions from millennials and uh, seriously, this is a subject matter that they are so confused about. So here we go. So what is Obamacare? As we call it in California, covered California, are they the same thing? And is Obamacare national? Because as you know, our audience, although you and I are in California, our audience are from all over the States. I love that you want to start by defining the terms, because I think that's where all of the misinformation comes from is people not understanding. So technically, Obamacare is not a real thing. Uh, It's the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act came about in Obama's administration, and it got tagged with uh, Obamacare because it came about in his administration. Mm -hmm. And what the Affordable Care Act did was brought about huge change to the healthcare industry. Um, So it's a federal law. It's a federal legislation. So that means that it is national. And the changes, I'm going to try not to get too nerdy because I am a junkie when it comes to this stuff, (laughs) but the changes that are brought about um, were one, a lot of compliance to the marketplace, trying to make it, um, they're still working on trying to make it transparent and consumer friendly. And some of the best things that came about the ACA, which is also a big part of the cost is guarantee issue. So pre-existing conditions, I, I didn't work in this market prior to ACA, but the stories that I've heard about people with diabetes not being able to get health insurance or people with chronic conditions not being able to get insurance, those, those were real situations um, or their rates would be extraordinary because they would rate based on the condition. I've experienced it, Don. So yes, yeah, it was horrific. And, and so that's probably, I would say that's my number one thing that I want to preserve whatever happens, however we work this system out because it will change. There's going to be change over the next few years. Um, However, we work it out pre-existing the guarantee issue is such a a major factor that the ACA brought. Um, There's also the zero cost for preventive screenings, which that's the right methodology in healthcare. If we take care of ourselves, we'll pay less in claims because we catch things earlier and are able to cure ourselves before things get worse. What do they say? They say one ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, also all the plans must include what they call the 10 essential benefits, which um, it, there's a list. You can search it 10 essential okay. benefits for what a health insurance plan should have. Okay. So, so basically Obamacare or Affordable Care Act, it is a federal program and it's national. So anyone yeah. can access this. Yep, exactly. And then Covered California is one of several state-operated exchanges. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's the national exchange called healthcare.gov. There's several states that have their own system. And California actually has one of the most, if not the most successful in the nation. We've been able to have choice and choice is a good thing. So we have multiple carriers to choose from in um, almost every zip code that we have in the state. And the reason the exchanges were created by the ACA, because they were a means for the subsidies to be administered. 
Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about subsidies later in the in the podcast, but that's that's the reason you purchase your health insurance through an exchange. It's so that you can receive the subsidy from the government. Subsidy is a tax credit. Keep that in your mind. <laughs> that's awesome. So great. So um, Don, here's a two part question: What is an HMO versus a PPO, and also what is a network, and why is it so important to check networks when purchasing health insurance? All of those are the first parts of choosing a plan, I would say. Um, An HMO is a health maintenance organization. It requires you to choose a a PCP, which is a primary care physician. You have to go to your PCP to get referrals to a specialist. You need approvals for procedures. Um, Typically, you have less access to doctor networks, which I'll get into the definition of networks in a little bit. Um, An example of a, a... of an HMO that is an insurance carrier and the provider is Kaiser. So they mm-hmm. not only do they have Kaiser doctors and providers only, they are the health insurance carrier. Whereas your Blue Shield and your Health Net or your other carrier, they're, they're the health insurance carrier and they go out to doctors. And this is how the networks happen. They go out to doctors with this plan and say, these are the rates. If you accept this plan, these are the negotiated rates that you're accepting to take. And that's how the carrier develops their plan and determines how much copay the individual purchasing the plan gets. I know I that sounds complicated, but that's how networks are developed. The doctor signs up agreeing to the terms of the plan. Okay. So basically HMO, they have to have a primary care physician who will then refer them to contracted specialists and network specialists or, you know, ancillary services. Perfect. And what is a PPO? A PPO is a preferred provider organization, and it it gives you a little more access to providers. So you have the ability to go to any doctor in the network at their plan coverage, and they also sometimes have out-of-network coverage. So if you choose to go to a doctor outside of the, the PPO network, sometimes you'll get some reimbursement from the carrier. So it's self-refer. There's also another um, acronym called an EPO, which is an exclusive provider organization, similar to a PPO in that you don't have to choose a primary care physician and you can self-refer, mm-hmm. but the networks are t- typically a lot skinnier, some more similar to like an HMO. Something um, I tell a lot of people to con- when they're considering choosing between an HMO and a PPO, if you are a person, for example, I like the convenience of Kaiser. I like going to one spot, getting my shots, getting my prescriptions, getting my lab work. I, I don't have to go to five different places around the Valley. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's one of the conveniences of going to like a Kaiser. I see. So basically, what is, is it fair to say that HMO is more of a, a, you know, you have control, you have to get permission to go see your specialist or whatnot. And PPO is more the, the free world, but you will pay more out of pocket if you go out of network. Correct. Awesome. Okay, Don. So let's uh, talk about tier levels. We hear about tier levels, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, et cetera. Can you please explain the meaning of a tier and what these levels stand for? Yes. So the tiers were created. Um, there's the minimum. Let me go back, backtrack a little bit, because there's one other tier called catastrophic coverage. It's available for people who are under age 30. It's okay. a less expensive premium, but covers, I mean, basically nothing. It, it, a bronze plan, which we'll talk about. It, they go bronze is 60% coverage of your, your plan will cover 60% and then your, you cover 40%. Okay. Silver covers 70%. You cover 30%. Mm-hmm. 
gold covers 80, you cover mm -hmm. 20, and platinum covers 90, you cover 10. The other major differences between those tier levels, again, catastrophic, I would hardly recommend someone having catastrophic, even at least bronze, because I feel like you get some, some more benefit. It's all about looking at the premium and seeing what makes sense for you. But bronze is um, three doctor office visits at a copay, and then pretty much you're going to pay out of pocket until you hit a $6,300 deductible. Ooh. So it, yeah, it's for yeah. It, like maybe our 20 year olds who go get their preventive wellness, wellness check yeah. and it, they aren't doing anything else, but know that something happens, you're on the hook for the majority of the money until you reach your deductibles and out of pocket. Hmm. You made it, you made it very clear, Don. Now I know exactly what they mean. It's like, you know, it's bronze 60, silver 70, gold 80, platinum 90. Perfect. Yep. And catastrophic under 30 year olds like me. <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, one of the key benefits of Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, is to help those financially challenged have access to affordable health insurance. So with that said, Don, you kind of made a reference to it at the beginning. What is a subsidy? And how do I know if I qualify for a subsidy or not? Excellent question. So there are three ways to purchase health insurance. One is to go on cover it, your state exchange. So, and that's called on exchange with it's covered California. You can purchase through healthcare.gov, the national exchange, or you can purchase what we call off exchange, which is direct to the carrier. Mm -hmm. So the exchanges are where you must purchase to receive the subsidy. What's a sub subsidy? It's technically a tax credit and it's all based on your income. And when you file taxes at the end of the year, how you reported your income. So you're basically predicting what you're going to make for the year. Mm -hmm. They cover California's system determines if that amount is going to receive a subsidy. Once you receive the subsidy at the end of the, when you file taxes the next year, if the income that you reported in the covered California system is pretty on target and there's no significant difference plus or minus, it won't impact your taxes at all. Mm -hmm. If you reported a higher income, greater than 10%. Um, so for example, let's say you reported 30,000 in the system, you actually made 45,000. Mm -hmm. You're going to owe some of the subsidy you received back because you actually made more than you reported and that'll come out on your taxes. It, and the opposite is true. If you report, if you report that you're going to make 30 and you really make 25, then you'll receive more back on your reef on your tax refund. So it's all related to income and taxes. And subsidy done is basically the premiums that I'm paying each month. They kind of um, give me a discount on my premium, right? Is that what subsidy is? So how it actually is, it, once they determine what your subsidy amount is based on the income that you report, mm -hmm. the government pays the carrier that portion of your premium. I see. So Blue Shield has a, let's just say your policy is $1,000 a month and you're going to get a $500 subsidy. The government's going to pay Blue Shield $500 and you're going to pay Blue Shield $500. So Blue Shield only is going to bill me $500. Correct. Okay. Well, that sounds, that's very clear now. Thank you. Um, okay. So now let's talk about the different types of insurances, in particular, uh, individual versus employer. I think there's a lot of confusion in this arena. So Don, does individual insurance work the same way as my employer insurance? And what's the difference? So in most cases, all insurance are work the same in that you have an insurance card, 
and you take that into your doctor and then the doctor files the claim and the insurance carrier pays their portion and you pay a portion, whether it's a copay or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So in that way, most insurances work the same. There are also grandfathered plans that don't meet the ACA, um, but the majority of plans at this point in time were 11, year, 11 years later, they meet the ACA requirements. So most of that is going to be the same. The major differences of an individual versus an employer plan are the employer plans have a lot more plan options and plan design options. So they can mess around with the deductibles and the co-pays to get different premiums because that's how you develop a plan. You're, the, the, what you pay for your monthly cost is based on what the plan is covering. It's all really about risk, right? Insurance is covering your risk. Mm-hmm. The networks are much larger in employer plans also. Um, so more doctors are available typically when you have employer insurance. It's a big difference when you go into the individual market. Uh, there's more carriers typically that offer employer plans. Not all carriers offer individual, like United Healthcare doesn't offer individual health plans uh, oh. in California, but they do in the group market. I see. Um, and then also, obviously, employers contribute to employer plans typically. So there's that. Obviously, it seems like going the employer way is the better way. However, not everyone has that option. So, um, okay, so let's say that I have an employer-sponsored insurance. Does it make sense for me to consider Obamacare or Covered California or Affordable Care Act um, if my income qualifies for a subsidy? So I have employer coverage, but can I leave that and then go buy um, Covered California on the exchange if I qualify for a subsidy? It's a great question. So, and it depends on your employer contribution. So they, they, how you qualify for a subsidy, if you have the opportunity to participate in an employer plan, um, the employer, if the employer plan meets what they determine affordability and affordability equals that if your portion of the premium is less than 9.83% of your household income. So let's say a married couple make up $80,000 a year. And the husband has health insurance offering and the employer covers a hundred percent of that health insurance for the husband, but nothing for the dependents. Mm. Nobody qualifies for a subsidy because the, uh, uh, the insurance for the employee is considered affordable. I see. Okay. Which actually makes me transition to the question I was going to ask you next. And that is if my employer covers me only and not my dependents, so not my husband or children, can they go to covered California or the exchange and, um, get, yeah, a and get a subsidy? Yeah. That I, I'm going to say ACA strikes again. That is one of the, um, one of the hardest points I think about the ACA, because no, the family will not, even if your household income qualifies the rest of the family for a subsidy, because you are being offered affordable coverage for the employee only, the whole family does not qualify for a subsidy. That's not fair. That's it not doesn't fair. sound fair. Yeah, it doesn't it's sound not, fair. And it's not, um, I, I feel like that will be something that changes in the near future because it is being talked about legislatively. And, and I know you're part of all that stuff with Nahu <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to policy legislation. Yeah. Wow. So you know what, Don, what I want to do is we've had a lot of questions uh, sent to us by young women. And particularly, like I said, one, our producer, Ani, who's in the background. Ani, I know you have some questions. Go ahead and just ask it away. 
Sure. So thank you, Don, for joining us. Um, this is such a wonderful opportunity. Um, I wanted to get your take on, first of all, as an, a new entrepreneur, uh, first and foremost, moving from one state to another uh, and then starting your business. Uh, how do I go about finding the right health insurance and uh, a plan that has um, uh, what I need to like fit my special needs? So I will always recommend going to an agent. We do this day in and day out. It, so it's not like it. First of all, find a licensed health insurance agent. And there's a way to uh, not at nahu.org. It's N-A-H-U.org. Both Nairi and myself are members of this organization. Um, it, there's a find an agent tool. I trust that resource the most because I know the, the majority of members of NAHU keep themselves up to date on all of the information. They keep themselves credited where they need to be, certified where they need to be. So I feel like it's a it's a decent resource for someone to find someone to help na navigate. And there's people across the country that are members of this association. And the reason you want to choose an agent to work with, it's already uh, our payment, at least in California, different states, they may charge you to advise depending on the situation. But in California, it doesn't cost anything additional to use an agent for help. The R rate is already incorporated into the premiums of the, across the board. So it costs you nothing additional to get professional advice from someone who does something day in, day out. I bet you'd say the same thing about podcasting. Of course, that's great to know because, I mean, there's always, you know, in our minds, a cost associated with everything, especially with healthcare, and it's very intimidating. And then you add, you know, starting your own business on top of that, too. Um, which leads me to my second part of this question. At what point as an employer of a small business um, do I start offering health insurance benefits to my employees? That's really a decision based on the employer. Obviously, retention is big for employers. So the benefits that you offer are going to retain your employees. But it's a conversation again. I would say talk with your agent. They will be able to advise you. And if they, if it's a, it's someone who only does individual insurance, I'm sure they're going to know an agent that does employer-based insurance as well. It, it, but it again, it's a really personal decision. Of it. you can start offering as soon as you have one employee. Sure. There are plans you can create. Yeah. The requirements don't start until you have over 50 employees, and then there become a lot of compliance issues that require you to have the affordable or you pay a penalty. So it, anywhere in between that one to 49, it, it's going to be a choice of the employer and it's a good retention tool. Definitely. There's so many things to think about when you start a business like this is, this is definitely one of them. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for your expertise. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Ani. And thanks, Don. Uh, so I have one more question, Don. Yes. So I've heard a lot about increased help from the American Rescue Plan Act. What is the American Rescue Plan Act and how do I access that help? Thank you. That's a good question because it actually increased subsidies before you wouldn't receive a subsidy if you made 400 percent of the federal poverty level. Um, there's a, if you Google FPL chart, there's a chart that shows you kind of what the income range based on the household number of people um, and, and where you'll fall as far as receiving a subsidy. The American Rescue Plan Act was signed in March by President Biden. And it, so it increased subsidies to people over the 400% poverty level. 
Mm-hmm. It also added a COBRA subsidy. So people who lost their job um, because of COVID, mm-hmm. they get 100% of their COBRA premium paid until September. I think it ends in September of this oh, year. Wow. But this increased subsidy for people at 400, above 400% of the federal poverty level is going to last at least until the end of 2022. And I think they're talking about keeping that as extended. It's been incredibly helpful. I have couples who are making $100,000 and receiving the $500 towards their health insurance premium. So wow. it's significant. Um, and then I also want to I don't know if you wanted to touch base on the mandate too. Yes, yes. Actually, that is one of my questions. And, you know, I get asked this all the time, is having health insurance a mandate? And what if we don't buy one? I know back in the day you got penalized. Is that still going? So, yeah, go ahead and share with us. So the federal, federally, you are not penalized. Right now, the um, Supreme Court took that that penalty away. However, different states have chosen to get to have an individual mandate. California is one of them. The other states are the District of Columbia, uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont all have an individual mandate currently. I did a quick calculation and it's a tool you could share. I have the link for you. It's a tool you could share with your your watchers. I did a quick sample and I did a household of two earning an income of $80,000. We'd pay $1,500 for if we had no coverage in the year as a penalty. $1,500 penalty. Mm-hmm. Wow. So did you say New York is one of the states that has individual mandates or you New, said Jersey. New Jersey? New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That is actually very significant. So a lot of a lot of people think that it's it's over, it's done with, but it's not, I guess. Yes. It's what a not. great question. And I think it might come back actually in in some other if if we continue down the road of fixing the ACA versus other models, we might see it come back on a bigger scale. Wow. Don, I think this was such a valuable session. Thank you so much. And do you have any other words of wisdom to share with us? I can't stress enough to find an agent to help you with your insurance needs. I appreciate the opportunity to educate people um, and that you are doing that, Nairi. So thank you very much. Wow. Thank you, Don, for being here. And tell us how our listeners can access to your services. And Ani, in the meantime, if you can put up that slide, please. Um, Absolutely. That can show us, you know, her, her contact information and so forth. But Don, go ahead and share that with us, please. I am happy to connect on, I'm on the social, social media platforms. Um, connect with me personally on LinkedIn. My business page is m M&M Benefit Solutions on Facebook and Instagram. And I, my website is www.mn is in Nancy M, benefitsolutions.com, as you can see on the card there. And there, that's your beautiful woman, amazing woman with an amazing heart who's just, Aww, you, know, thank you. You, have, you have the heart of service and, and the knowledge that goes with it. Thank you so much, Don, for your time today. We learned so much from you and I'd love to have you back on at another time, maybe to talk about Medicare. I'd that's love it. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, remember to follow us on our social media platforms at the Avanti Woman. And please reach out to us with any questions or if you have any suggestions for future podcasts. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Till next time, take care. Have a good day. Have a good day.